Hey, what's going on? It's Bill Burr, and it's time for the Monday Morning Podcast for Monday, August 14th, 2023. What's going on? How are you? How's it going in your world? Um, oh, Jesus. I am all vacationed out. I had a great time on the vacation. The vacation was too long. Too fucking long. Because we did Martha's Vineyard first before we came to Massachusetts. You know, and usually we just go to Massachusetts, but I went to Martha's Vineyard first. And, you know, and I was good after Martha's Vineyard. But then after Martha's Vineyard, we went to Massachusetts, in case you weren't listening in the beginning. After Martha's Vineyard became Massachusetts. And, um, yeah. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, and it was funny, now, now I'm on the fucking road, you know? My family's back west, and I am fucking... You know, <laughs> I'm still out here. I did Springfield two nights ago, which was amazing. You know, I uh, I hadn't been there in a couple of years, but like, you know, Springfield used to just be sort of a really small city, except for the, uh, you know, the, the Basketball Hall of Fame was their, their big claim to fame. And now, you know, you couldn't miss it. Now it's all buried. There's all kinds of buildings and stuff all built up or whatever. But I went out there. I did the show with Tony V. He absolutely murdered. The night before, I was up at Giggles, my Clark's place, the, the house that Lenny Clark built, and uh, had a great time going up there. That's the greatest hang in comedy um, for my money. And um, I went up there, was it Friday, to shake the rust off. And uh, then I went up to Springfield. I had a great show there. And last night, you know, we were in Halifax. You're supposed to fly up and come right back. And um, we got fogged in, so we had to spend the night there. But it ended up being a great thing because I got to walk around the city a little bit this morning and see how beautiful it is. Very underrated, you know. A lot of people want to go to Montreal. I would say don't sleep on Halifax, you know. It's sort of like chill, Montreal. There's not a zillion people there and it's I don't know I think it looked just as beautiful and um, you know like probably less expensive I would it's kind of like Milwaukee versus Chicago like you go to Chicago I mean just by the time you get into Chicago after sitting in that fucking traffic you don't give a fuck anymore. You're just like, that, that, that was one of the worst experiences of my life. But then, you know, right up the street, you got Milwaukee. It's literally on the same lake. You're looking at the same fucking water with like half the traffic. I know I've said this a zillion times. So, I mean, I love, you know, both cities for different, like Chicago, I guess once you're in it and you're sort of walking around, but like, uh, you know, Chicago actually reminds me of L.A., where it's like, it's a city, but it also, in a lot of ways, looks like a suburb, you know? Um, where L.A., but, but, you know, it's not as bad, it's, but like, L.A. looks like one giant fucking suburb that never ends. And every once in a while, there's a cluster of buildings, and you're like, what the fuck is that? Oh, that's Century City. That's the Time Warner Center. That's the, that's downtown Glendale. Um, and the rest of it is all like, seems like it's six stories high. Um, all right. My fucking brain is all over the place because we, last night when we flew into Halifax, um, 
you know, it was one of these things. It's like I wanted to go home with my family, and they were just going like, well, we'd really love to have you up here, blah, blah, blah. Then they said, listen, we'll fly you up and fly you right back. The same thing. So I said, all right, fuck it, I'll do that. Fantastic. So we ended up flying up there, and we're coming in on final approach, and <laughs> it was like the, the ceiling was, it looked like it was like 250 feet came out of the clouds and uh, they had lost um, one side of the cockpit as far as their avionics, whatever. But, you know, they have the backup system and then they have a backup system to that, I guess, as far as flying instrument, which would have been going back to the old days of VORs and shit like that. But um, so we landed and, you know, with the idea that we were gonna fly right back. So I was working with Tony V and Todd Parker, the author of Billionaire Boogeyman. Um, I'm trying to think the last time we all did a fucking road gig together, if we ever did. So we went up and had just a fucking great time. We show up. All my Canada gigs lately have been like outdoors and like these parks and stuff. And I'm always going up going, this is gonna fucking, this is gonna suck. You know, because I, I, I am like institutionalized from when I was coming up. If you had an outdoor gig, it was just instantly like the best thing that it could possibly be would be less awful than some other outdoor gig. But the ones out in Canada have been unbelievable. So we show up, there's like fucking 10,000 people on a hillside, you know? It's looking like Woodstock. And we were like, what the fuck? <laughs> so I'm thinking, are they gonna be as drunk as they were in Calgary? You know what I mean? Oh no, Calgary, they were drunk when I was indoors. Outdoors, it was during the day. So they were actually a nice crowd. I don't know, they all run together after a while. And uh, anyway, they went up, we went, all went up and the crowd was fucking amazing. Everybody had a great set. And uh, you know, they let us smoke cigars in the tent backstage while we were waiting to go on. And it was one of those things like, you know, it looked fucking big when you just looked at it, but when you walked out there on stage, you're like, Jesus Christ. Um, and uh, I had one of those sets where, I don't know, I was just on. So like, I've, I think I did like 10 minutes without even getting into my act, which is great, because that is the game. You know, once you've been doing stand-up for a while, it's, it's like, how long can I avoid my act? <laughs> and it's good. If you can, because then certain jokes you don't have the time to tell, so you get like a night off. That joke gets a night off and it doesn't get all fucking used up, you know? It's like farmers. They don't plant the same soil every year, you know? They fucking switch over. So it's, just, it's the joke version of that. Not to get all John Cougar Mellencamp on you, you know? Which is basically not being a farmer and speaking for them. Kidding. I like what he does, you know. He tried to fight the bankers, didn't win. You know. Was he John Cougar when that happened, or was it John Cougar Mellencamp? It was John Cougar, then John Mellencamp, then John Cougar Mellencamp. I think that was I think that's how it went. Something like that. You know, I got a buddy of mine, like he he loves, you know, you know, like when you know what bands people are into? You know, and when you find out that they really love a band and, you, and they don't know that you know how much they love the band and then what you do is you just start trashing the band 
to someone else within their earshot. It's one of my favorite things to do. Like I knew this guy, I knew that he loved uh, a couple of these bands and one of the bands came on the radio. And I was just like, oh God. I don't understand why so many people like this band, right? And I see him perk up and somebody goes, you don't like them? I go, dude, Freddie Mercury is basically gay meatloaf. (laughs) Which I obviously don't feel. I was just trying to get my buddy going, right? He's basically gay meatloaf. It's, It's sort of, you know, that sort of musical theater angst, you know? Won't you find somebody love me? Someone to love, you know? Baby, baby, let me sleep on it. You know, you know, nerd angst. Oh, they just all, you know, that, that huffing and puffing and running around a stage, you know, in the most effeminate way ever. Like I just, you know, I was just going that route, like driving and this guy's going, because, you know, I don't even understand like what even your fucking musical... Like, we don't line up at all. Like, he, he finally figured it out that that's what the fuck I was doing. <laughs> for the record, for the record, I think Freddie Mercury might be one of the greatest frontmen of all time. But, like, as an ACDC fan, like, there's some, like, I love Roger Taylor straight across the board. All right? But, like, you know, when it gets a little too, too dramatic, like, I, I'll be honest with you, I. You, Let's, let's a nice segment for you. Um, like, what is a band <clears throat> or a song that everybody loves and you just sit there and you feel like an alien? You know, at first you're like, oh God, I fucking hate this song. But then after a while, when it just keeps coming on and every time people just freak out and have this emotional response. After a while, you get past your hatred of the song and you just start observing the people because you're so tired of being the only one who hates the song that you actually wanna just sort of observe people enjoying it to try to figure out what is it that I'm missing. And for me, the number one example of that, for me, is that Queen song, Bohemian Rhapsody. I swear to God, I could fucking murder somebody when that fucking song comes on. It's such a stupid fucking song. It doesn't make any sense. I don't give a fuck that it's difficult to sing. I see a silhouette of a wabba woo, wabba woo, where you do the fandango, thunderbolt and lightning, very, very, and everybody in the bar, Galileo, what the fuck are we doing here? Was it like a vocal warm-up that he just put to fucking words? I fucking hate that song. I hate that fucking song, and it was gonna go away, but then they put it in that fucking movie, um... That SNL movie, what the fuck's the name of that movie? With Mike Myers and Dana Carvey. Wayne, Wayne and Garth's Big Adventure. I can't remember, it was a long fucking time ago. Anyway, um, they made that song, like they brought it back from the fucking dead. And, uh, and now it's just like, it's over. Like that's literally like 
you know, for the next like 30 years. Like fucking in the mood. That fucking song. Like, you know, I bet somebody in the 1940s was like fucking hated that song, In the Mood. Especially if he came back from war, you know, and he had PTSD, you know. You're trying to block out all the fucking horrors of war that you saw. And then there's just all these people. And you're just sitting there going, I swear to God, if one more person starts doing a funny walk, pointing up at the ceiling, dancing to this fucking song, I am going to take some of my military experience out on them. You know? Um, so mine is, 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 is that, that I hate that fucking song. Um, and in defense of this, I, I love when people hate songs that I love or hate a group. Like there's a kid down the comedy store fucking hates ACDC. And I just, I can't get enough of listening to him trash ACDC because nobody really does. <clears throat> and he really hates them. And he has such passion for how much he hates them. And I just think it's the funniest fucking thing ever. It was like in that Ginger Baker documentary when he trashed John Bonham. Like nobody trashes John Bonham. And out of nowhere, Ginger Baker just goes, John Bonham couldn't swing a sack of shit. (laughs) I almost fell out of my chair like, oh my God, nobody trashes John Bonham. There's a clip of Keith Richards trashing him. Like Keith Richards doesn't like Led Zeppelin so much that he didn't understand that Led Zeppelin was a joke, that Led Zeppelin was in on the joke. It was like, you know, I think they were talking to Keith Moon and when he told him, um, you know, when someone was telling him the lineup of the band, Keith jokingly said like, that's gonna go over like a lead balloon. You know, that old school expression like, you know, so they took that and they just led and they spelt it differently. And then instead of balloon, they said Zeppelin. Like that's, that's the legend anyway. So Keith Richards hated that band so much that like he, does, he didn't even know that the band was in on the joke. And there's a clip of him going like, yeah, Led Zeppelin. And he goes, because it never got off the ground. And he's kind of making this, huh? You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, Keith, that's the fucking joke. <laughs> So he was like low-key trashing him. And then he comments and he's like, oh, and then that runaway locomotive on drums. And every time I love that interview because I always picture what if John Bonham jammed with Keith Richards and Bonham's doing his Bonham shit and just Keith looking over his shoulder like what in the, f-? he's used to playing with Charlie and looking like what the fuck is this guy doing? <laughs> um. Anyway, let's let's pick some other songs. You guys are, all know that I hate that bomb, bomb, bomb. That song, "Sweet Caroline," which was funny. They were playing that song before the show last night, and what I loved about Halifax is when it went to bomb, bomb, bomb. They didn't do it like nobody does it like that. Maybe it's not even the song. Wow, that's a, I never even looked at that. Maybe I don't hate these songs. I hate the people that love them. You know? When you go to a Red Sox game and they start singing Sweet Caroline and, like, you see, like, the, the girlfriend, you know, like, snuggling with the boyfriend and just watching how a song that awful, like, completes them emotionally somehow. 
But like, why do they do that? Or like, do you remember like from back in the day, you'd be in a bar and that stupid fucking song, Moni Moni, would come on, which is a good song. It you come down, but I'm moaning, moaning. Then, then they get laid, get fucked. <laughs> but what's great about these, I should love these songs because these were the moments in my life where I had the strongest feeling I don't belong here. All right? Like, whatever is going on in this room right now, or at this baseball game, or at this nightclub, I don't fit in here. And I always never felt quite like I, until I went to a comedy club, and I was like, these people are the same kind of fucking weird that I am. So all of these songs I should love because I think that they drove me away from those people. I mean, can you imagine living your life and the people that you talk to are the same people that when Sweet Caroline comes on, they, they, they scream, bum, bum, bum. I mean, how could you ever, like, respect that person after that? <laughs> I mean, maybe if you're a little kid, I, I guess now that they've been doing it so long that kids grew up doing it and they did it with their parents or something. All right, here's another one that drives me up the wall that Alanis Morris sets on. It's like rain on your wedding day. Right? And everybody goes, you know, the smarmy thing to say is she's not singing about irony. She's just talking about, you know, some unfortunate things or some bad luck. That's not why I like that song. I, that's not why, I mean, that's why I don't, don't like that song. You know, because it, it just sounds like someone that really has nothing to complain about, but is complaining. And whenever that song comes on, you know, I feel like I'm sitting across from her in like a restaurant. And while she's, you know, just bitching about her life, I'm just thinking like, why the fuck did I say I'd go out to lunch? (laughs) I should have just, like, this is it. This is it. I'm just gonna say, I don't wanna do this anymore. Okay, I just can't, you, you fucking bring up rain on your wedding day every time we hang out. And I just like, I think you need to go to therapy. This is something I think you need to talk to somebody else about because I am exhausted hearing this, okay? I mean, this is life. Everybody has like a bad day. Do you think you're like special? Do you think that like bad things aren't gonna happened you know I'm sure I'm misinterpreting this song but this is I'm just saying like this is is my reaction um I don't want to get in too deep with this but like there's a lot of fucking songs like that you know this has to be a word for that you know the Germans have a word that Scheidenfreude I hope I'm saying that right which means is is taking pleasure in somebody else's misery or pain there has to be a word for like the hatred you have for people that like bands that you don't like (laughs) it's not like full on hatred it's whatever it is you know that thing when you're just looking at them to the point they can almost feel your look and be like 
You just feel your energy. Like that's the level of venom that you have as you watch people like, you know, Oh, there's, listen, there's a lot of, I don't, there's a lot. I'm not going to get into it because people like starting shit. So, but th- there's a lot of shit that people think. Here's, here's one for you, all right? If they're playing your favorite band at the supermarket, you know, they're probably not that good. <laughs> Although... Now that people get older and stuff, I've had, you know, I'll tell you what's funny is anytime you walk into a cool sneaker store, they're always playing uncensored hip hop is what I find. And it's fucking hilarious. You, you can't walk in there with your kid because some woman's going to be rapping about her pussy or somebody's going to be saying, you know, some guy's, you know, talking about his dick hanging out of the Lamborghini that he, that he owns, you know. That is one of the more disappointing things about hip hop over the last, I don't know how long, is people, it's like, I get it. You, you, you own a lot of nice things. <laughs> oh, is that right? Do you have one of those? Is it made out of gold? Mm. Well, that's gonna be impressive until, until you try to resell it. Oh, did you take all the millions you made and, and get your face made out of diamonds? <laughs> who was the guy who did that? That was the funniest shit ever. Um, I feel like that's the, the updated version of like back in the day when they would show some old rich white guy and he would be lighting a cigar with a hundred dollar bill. Um, I feel like the modern version of that is if you get a big Jesus piece, but rather than it being Jesus, it's you and your, your face are made out of diamonds. I should do that for myself. You know, it's funny, I'm such a weird looking bastard. Like none of them would really be precious stones. They would be all be on the lower, you know, <clears throat> like rubies for my fucking red beard. Like no one, you know, you wanna see your girlfriend be underwhelmed? Get her a ruby ring. What kind of stone is that? That's a ruby. Isn't that like Russian money? No. That's a ruble. That's a ruby. Isn't he the guy who killed Oswald? Um, anyway, I don't have no idea what I'm talking about. But anyway, we ended up staying an extra day in uh, Halifax. And uh, I ended up finding out they have incredible coffee there. Let me give a shout out to the place I went to there. Jeez, oh, where is it here? Into the camera, into the camera we go. Where is it? I went to Weird Harbor Espresso Bar. Oh, I got my usual order. A double espresso and a flat white with whole milk. Outstanding. Outstanding and quick. Usually when it's outstanding coffee, you usually have to wait a little bit, you know, which is part of the fun. Like, look at him. He's a scientist, you know? Look how much she gives a shit. Look at the technique. You know, you get all into it. Um, oh, in Springfield, you know what they got me? They got me one of those little fucking Italian coffee makers. And they got me this coffee. Oh, I don't have it with me here. 
but uh, it was the best smelling coffee I've ever, I think I've ever smelled, and it was already ground up. And those little Italian coffee makers is you fill up the bottom with water, you unscrew the thing, right? It looks like a little fucking, it's a combination of like a, a teapot and a lantern is what it looks like. And what's great too is the one they got me is the color of the Italian flag, right? Which I feel makes, makes you subconsciously think the coffee tastes even better. Because everybody knows, okay, when it comes to cuisine, I mean, there's the Italians and there really is everybody else, okay? People have come close or whatever. Did we ever do this? Do we ever rank cuisine? Okay, I would go Italian is, is like, you know, there's no debate, okay? There's no Jordan or Kobe. It's like, no, Italian food, bam, done, go fuck yourself. Like, if there was one type of food that I had to eat for the rest of my life, okay, there's no way I'm giving up pasta, pizza, you know, all those, all the fish, the, the, way, the way they prepare fucking everything. I'd go back to drinking, you know? Having wine and shit, right? I would say they're number one. And then number two is, for me, is a three-way tie, which would be French, Japanese, and Middle Eastern food. No, you know what? <clears throat> it's too difficult because what? I'm going to leave Indian food out of there. You know, I'm going to just ignore the dumplings that I had in Hong Kong. You can't do it. You know what? I can only do number one. And other than that, I wouldn't argue with anybody's. Uh, I wouldn't argue with anybody's number two. But um, I will say the ones, if it was like the Premier League, what I love about the Premier League in soccer is if you suck, like you don't get to hang around. If you're at the bottom of the league, you're out of the league, and then they give somebody else a shot. I would say <clears throat> German and English food. You know, maybe I just don't know where to go because I'm going to Germany, right? And we went around that country last time I was there. We did Cologne, Frankfurt, and Berlin. And everywhere I was, I tried, what is that fucking, what is that famous? Fursey was getting it everywhere we went. It was funny. Kenny kept getting the pretzels. And um, ah, it's escaping now. German cuisine. Here we go. Hang on a second. German cuisine. What the fuck do you call that thing? German cuisine dishes. What do we got here? Traditional German. Well, maybe I had, oh, there's 20 of them. I had no idea they had that kind of thing here. All right, the big, long, stupid fucking bullshit they always have to do every single time. Every fucking time you go to one of these food, you know, food sites, it's always like, well, they can't just list the fucking 20. It's got to be, well, you know, Germany did start two world wars and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, they make a great fucking bratwurst. Bratwurst. All right, I'm not going to lie to you. I do like bratwurst. I also like a German breakfast, too. I like how they put the hard-boiled egg up like, like it, it looks like a trophy. Like you feel like you won something. Oh, schnitzel. 
Use a breaded cutlet. Is that pork? Is it chicken? Schnitzel is a thin piece of meat pounded into a flat side. Oh, it can be anything. All right, the schnitzel, I didn't know where to go. A breslin, which is a pretzel. Oh, look at this. Braised cabbage. I'm not gonna lie to you, that gets my fucking Irish blood going here. Very popular German food, though most combine cabbage with broth and vegetable. Labscass, what the f... It's a beef dish. German sailors in the 18th century develop it because of limited resources probably, and it became popular amongst many people on land. Try making your, I don't even know what that is. All right, it was schnitzel. Wiener schnitzel. Um, if you get the Wiener schnitzel, you gotta have a little applesauce or something on the side. It's a nice little fucking back and forth thing, right? I don't know what I'm talking about. I think I'm hosting a cooking show at this point. Let me do, um, let me do some of the reads. Some of the reads. Where am I going? Of course, I clicked the wrong one. Of course, I'm not prepared. This is what you guys expect, don't you? Don't you? Um, all right. Where are we going here? Great emails. Oh. <coughs> Look who it is, everybody. It's old Zip. Recruiter. You know, people, if you're hiring, you know that it's incredibly hard to attract top talent. And with the current labor market conditions, it's even harder than ever. Well, especially when people don't want to pay people to work. Sorry. Uh, oh, shout out to UPS drivers getting a raise because they're in a union. All right? Unions need to come back. Fuck these fucking guys. Uh, is it true that that asshole that turned Twitter into X for whatever reason, it wants us all to be microchipped? Is there a fucking reason we're listening to this nerd? He's a fucking nerd with hair plugs and a plastic face. Yeah. Anyway, um, that's why you want a partner, a partner who gets it, ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter knows how tough it is right now, but they figured out solutions for the problem you're facing. See for yourself right now. You can try them for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Can you tell I did two shows? Uh, ZipRecruiter is ready to tackle your recruiting challenges. Um, to search more of the right people, zip, yeah. um, post your job to 100 plus job sites, need to hire ASAP, Zip Recruiter Smart Technology finds great matches for your job sooner. Want first dibs on talent? Zip. Yeah. Um, let you invite the most qualified people to apply to your job. Zip Recruiter's pricing is straightforward, no surprise cost, team up, with a hiring partner who understands what you need. Four to five employers who post on the site get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive app, web address to try uh, try for free, ziprecruiter.com slash burr. Again, that's zip. Yes, you got flowers, yeah. Dot com slash burr, B-U-R-R, ZipRecruiter. The smartest way to hire. Is that all I had? All I need is just a little more time. Okay, I guess that's all I have. Okay, well, with that, we are in. We're into the reads. All right, wait, overrated, underrated. All right, what is an overrated, like, what, what's a fucking kind of food that everybody loves? And, like, you're just sitting there going, I, I just don't understand this. You know, there's a few, there's, a, there's some weird ones out there. 
corn dogs. Like Joe Bartnick loves a corn dog and I'm just looking at it like there is so many things wrong with all of that. Like it's so wrong, like they put it on a stick almost as though they don't want the food to come in contact with your body. Um, that is a pretty good, is that a good thing? If, if the food is on a stick, you should probably stay away from it. Ice cream, popsicles, corn dogs. Skewers are okay, but I'd say a stick. <laughs> I don't want that. okay. All right, Bill, let's just keep moving on here. All right, oh, by the way, by the way, uh, I tried out a couple of uh, pizza spots when I was in Boston. I went, I was in Weymouth, I went to Devry Gardens. Um, I give that five freckled thumbs up fucking delicious food. It's been around since 1933. Um, amazing decor, a couple of townies up at the bar. Uh, I had a great time over there, man. Fantastic pizza. And I brought it back um, to the house. You know, it's funny. And everybody's just going like, oh, wait, wait, what's this place? You know, because everybody has their, you know, it's really like, it's like sports teams back here that if you fucking go to the wrong pizza place, um, but everybody loved it. And then I also went to the Marblehead House of Pizza. I did a North Shore, I did a South Shore. North uh, Marblehead uh, was a little thicker crust and a sweeter sauce. If you're into that, they fucking crush it. Really enjoyed that. And that's another one. What I liked about both of them is they look like they had both been there for a long fucking time. That's usually a good sign. You know? Like in the Marblehead House of Pizza, there's just this random banister that splits, like, you, you walk up like two steps. So that indicates that there's some sort of insane line there if you come at the wrong time. So that was a good sign too. So um, check those things out. All right, and with that. <clears throat> this first one just says lobster. All right, you can make fun of how I look in the sun. Or are we talking about the crustacean? Dear Bill, I just listened to you. I listened to your podcast from yesterday. You spoke about not eating lobster because you didn't like them being boiled alive. Um, did you know that Julia Child, the first celebrity chef, did you know that Julia Child's husband, Paul, didn't like it either? He devised a method, oh, I guess of the way, he uh, the, the fact that the lobsters boiled alive. He said, this guy says, uh, he devised a method of putting the lobsters in a bag and hang it, hanging it over the kitchen door. He would bang them against the door to put them into shock so they didn't slowly boil to death. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing is like that movie Casino, which I absolutely love, but the level of violence in that movie, I mean, I feel like now you've added like when they got that guy's head in the vice and then you're gonna boil him to death. At least even then he said, put him out of his misery. Anyway, it, it is an improvement and you never know how the lobster is prepared wherever you go. I'm just saying there is, there is a better way and it has excess, existed for about 50 years. Well, dude, I need a little more details. He devised a method of putting the lobsters in a bag and hanging them over the kitchen door he would bang them against the kitchen door to put them into shock so they didn't slowly boil to death. 
Well, how many fucking times? I don't understand why they don't just make like a little knife. You could just really quickly, like, to go back to Scorsese. The way, the way they, they killed the guy, Maury. He was in the middle of a story and he just stuck the ice pick in the back of his head. Oh, and that was it. Donnie, never shut the fuck up, right? Why don't they just do that? You know what's so amazing about that is how they all got in the car and then he just kills them before they go in away and then they all immediately get out. Fingerprints all over the place. <laughs> but it did have the desired dramatic effect of how much eliminating somebody was just like a day at work. Um, well, I appreciate that. Anybody else have a, a way of quickly killing a lobster painlessly and then you can boil them and enjoy them on a lobster roll? All right, um, I can't believe this is really happening. Bill, once again, I can't believe this is actually happening. Cameras are being installed across London residential neighborhood as part of the mayor, Sadiq Khan, ULEZ, ultra low emission zone. The plan to charge drivers every single time they drive. We will be charged 12 pounds every time we drive in any area of London unless their car is electric or meets certain emission standards. Well, here's the thing. Well, let's say everybody then goes out and buys the electric car or they meet these certain emission standards. Um, there's no way that they're going to give up on charging you 12 pounds every time you drive. They'll come up with another fucking reason. Uh, once, once those taxes or whatever go into place, uh, you're done. I'll tell you what's funny. I saw this thing. I'll read the rest of this in a minute. Um, I saw this Instagram video. And it said, back before electric cars. Um, there were, oh, wait. Let me find the fucking video. What the hell is it? Because I want, I want to quote it. I don't want to misquote this fucking thing. As I sent it to Dean Del Rey because I knew he'd get a fucking kick out of it. Um, where is it? Why won't you load? Why won't you load? Wait, I have him in vanish mode? Vanish mode? What? Then they always says, what you do is swipe up from the bottom. Cena messes. What? Come on, you fucking cunt. I hate these fucking goddamn things. How the fuck did he go into vanish mode? And every single time... There we go. All right, I did it. Okay. Okay, it says, before all the electric bullshit, right? We had, and, and he goes back to like a 1970s Chevelle. It's like, these fucking people, they just rewrite history and they don't even know it. That's not what you had before all the electric bullshit. Okay, first of all, when cars first came out, they had electric cars way back 100 years ago. And then secondly, this fucking guy goes from 2023 to 1970 and conveniently, conveniently skips over the catalytic converter, conveniently forgets the Chevy Chevette, the Ford Escort, the Dodge Opal. Remember all those shit fucking cars? The Ford Fairmont, the Mercury Zephyr. Okay, the electric car did not kill the muscle car. 
Fucking unbelievable. And then not to mention, we're, we're in a muscle car era right now. It's, you can still buy a fucking Hellcat. Back before the electric car bullshit. It's like, what is bullshit about an electric car? I just don't understand. What is bullshit about it? And for some reason, a gas combustion engine, which the desire for all of that has led us into a 20-year illegal war that has bankrupted the fucking country. Okay? I'm not saying we don't have oil here that we can't use or whatever, but let's not fucking romanticize one fucked up way of traveling to another fucked up way of traveling. Because electric cars aren't great either. If you read about how, whatever fucking the natural resource they is, they have, they're in the Congo, okay? And rather than just treating the people, you know, nicely, they have them handling it without any gloves. They got pregnant women down there. They don't pay them shit because these corporate cunts don't want to pay anybody. And then what they say is, well, if we didn't treat them that way, then, you know, they'd be fucking, uh, it'd be like $9 million per gallon. It's like, or you could take less of a salary. Okay, and I'll tell you, that's what really burns my freckled buns. Because all they do is they talk about individuals that are in the public eye. They hold them accountable. And then these fucking assholes are smart enough to remain anonymous and to pay off um, politicians so they never get called out on their bullshit. So anyway, people, do not buy into this fucking crap that electric cars are better than gas combustion or gas combustion is better than the electric car. You know, that's also that other thing like, you know, I saw this other video on Instagram where this, this fucking guy's sitting there. You can tell he's tired or whatever. And he's sitting there with his girlfriend. This, this, you see this truck stops in front of him. They're in some Latino country and it backs up a little bit. Then all of a sudden, this guy jumps out and he has a gun pointed at both of them. And another guy opens the door and asks for the guy's watch. And I guess his wife was saying, step on the gas, step on the gas, step on the gas. And the guy didn't. He gave up his watch and then they took off. And then this guy writes, sadly, this is the state of men being raised today. Oh, this is the state of men being raised today. And I wanted to write, yeah, they're, they're commenting on fucking... Instagram videos about some macho shit that they would have done. It's like the guy has a gun pointed at you. This isn't the born identity. You just don't hit the gas and you drive over him. You hit the gas, he squeezes off two shots. And if you're not dead, you're paralyzed from the chest down over a Timex watch. All right? The guy let down his guard. He didn't have situational awareness. The time to get the fuck out of there is when he, sh- if, is, if he could have noticed the truck stopping and backing up, that's when you hit the gas. Once the gun's out, unless you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, the guy plans on killing you. If you're just getting that vibe, the guy was standing in front of the fucking car. There's no way for you to get the, the gun. And if you think your foot coming off the brake and stomping on the gas is going to move faster than a bullet, I mean, I can't help you. I mean, there's a chance the gun misfires. There's a chance the guy misses. He's going to get at least one round off. (laughs) I don't know. And what if you run that guy over and then those other two guys, the guy who wanted your watch and the people in the truck are so fucking pissed and now they're going after you and they have guns 
And you don't. You have your car and your Timex watch and your fucking chick who's screaming like a fucking banshee. Um, sadly, this is the state. I love when the people write that. This is how men are being raised. It's like, yeah, by us. You know? I don't know. Anyway, what the fuck was I even talking about here? Where the fuck is it? I was reading something, wasn't I? Oh, anyway, let's get back to the 12 pounds every time you drive a car. Our government will not use this hyper-surveillance responsibly. Of course they won't. And everybody has a side deal, by the way. Just always know that. And they're doing it during a time when everyone is worried about petrol and egg prices to feed their families and they don't have time to pay attention. When you next come to London, please use that mouth of yours to blast our immersion our emerging dystopia the way you did our food. Thanks. Um, yeah, I don't understand, like... I don't understand what we're headed towards where they still feel they just can't be watching us enough, they can't be listening to us enough, and why things like this you know, you know what they do. They always attach it to something good. Well, there's global warming. This is stuff that we have to worry about. Blah, 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 blah. There's always that. And then, you know, which is obviously right. You know, I don't find these videos funny that people are making like, you know, this is, this is you know, walking to your car in Texas. It's terrifying. It's been like 110 degrees for 19 straight days in fucking Arizona. That, that shit is fucking terrifying. And these cunts are not talking about it. They're actually gonna look at it as a way to earn money. Um, you know, this part of me, now that they're gradually starting to talk about aliens and shit, there's a part of me that thinks that what if there's a group of people that are just like, like they have the technology to keep them alive forever. Right? And what they do is they just spend a couple billion years at each Earth. And that's why, because I always sit there going like, don't these sociopath lunatics that are driving us towards the end here, aren't they worried that they're also on this planet? Where the fuck are they going to go? Maybe they just leave. And there's an infinite amount of Earths, I guess, according to shit that I've seen on social media, which really doesn't mean anything. Maybe that's what they're doing. So they're not worried about using up everything and, and then they just leave us behind and we thought we were all so important, living our best lives and being social justice warriors and shooting tin cans with your AK-47. You're just really, um, you're like a disposable like fucking uh, like toothbrush or some shit to them. All right, how to handle being laid off, oh brother. This is something I think a lot of people... Dear Bill, I'm a 27-year-old software engineer and I was just laid off. Now, I would think that that was pretty recession-proof. Laid off from my first job and only... First and only job I have had since graduating college five years ago. I'm looking for advice on what to do next. Well, I would stay in computers. That seems like you would always have a job. Uh, the person says, I luckily have a good support network of family and friends that can take care of me for a while until I get back on my feet. But how would you suggest I handle the next few months? Should I start getting ready for interviews immediately? Should I take this time and travel? Oh, dude, you got money if this is what you're asking. 
Should I hit the gym six days a week? Struggle to organize these ideas and would like your thoughts on this. Being a fan since I was in high school and would love it if you made a trip to Chattanooga, Tennessee. I love Chattanooga. Um, only been there once and I had a great time. Um, this is what I would do. I would figure out what I wanted to do in life for a job. If you like software engineering, I would, um, I would continue in that field. I wouldn't take too much time off because they'd be like, well, what the fuck have you been doing? Um, but I will say that no matter what job you get, um, don't be living week to week if you can. All right? Um, the way the money game works is you got to like live well beneath your means. And you just keep banking the shit for the ability to survive times like getting laid off and for the ability if you realize that you don't like what it is that you're doing, you have enough put away that you can start getting like what you want to be doing um, going. Like when I got into stand-up comedy, there was a time where I could have quit my day job. Um, but I didn't. I kept working my day job. And as much I was so fucking enamored with comedians that didn't have a day job and how every day they could get up whenever the fuck they wanted to. Because that was my idea of it. I didn't understand that, like, no, when you quit your day job, you've now left the matrix. And it's as awesome as it is, it's slightly terrifying because now um, you're the one that has to turn the wheel every day. And you can very easily just waste years and years, a decade of your career just being a lazy asshole just not doing anything all day and then just going out and doing your set, not really working on your act, trying to bang chicks or whatever you're into and fucking go out and go drink, smoke some weed and next thing you know, you're like this 40-year-old comic going, what the, well, I should have been working, right? So I, anyway, I didn't quit my day job. Um, what I did was I treated stand-up from day one as like I had two jobs and I just banked as much money as I could. I was still living at home with my parents, so I didn't have any rent. I drove a shit fucking, my truck was paid off and it was rusting out. I didn't give a fuck. The engine died and rather than buy a new car, I just put a new engine in it. So it only cost me like, it was like 1500 bucks at the time. This is 30 years ago, as opposed to 15 grand for a new, like I kept my costs down. And you know, I paid for my own college education, so I had a bunch of debt. I paid that off, and I did not quit my day job until I moved down to New York. And when I moved to New York, I had enough money in the bank to make my rent, and then hopefully, you know, that was the race. Am I gonna get into clubs and get in with these bookers and have enough road dates the way I did in Boston that I'll be able to make my rent and be a comedian before I run out of money. That was kind of the thing. So it seems to me, even though you said you had a support system that you were saving your money. So I know this is a long answer, but like nobody ever really talks to you about how fucking important it is to save money. 
And you're certainly not going to learn how to save money by going onto social media because all people are doing is trying to show these fucking ridiculously glamorous lifestyles that they have. It's kind of like that joke I was doing. You know, I was riffing, I riffed that idea um, about this whole stupid ice bath phenomenon. You already have a bathtub. You can go to 7-Eleven and buy a bag of ice. Why do you have to buy the super like sleek Euro thing? So whenever I want to take an ice bath, and that's another thing too, like you've lived your whole fucking life without taking an ice bath, okay? And you're fine. So like everybody has like, like this is the fucking thing that, remember like, like, remember kale? Like out of nowhere, everyone just started talking about kale. This is, they're just, all these things are, are just these marketing bullshit fucking ideas to separate you from your hard-earned money, okay? And when you stop playing the game is when the fuck you get ahead, okay? Don't look at all of these fucking jerk-offs walking around with jewelry and cars and, and all of this fucking crap. Okay, first of all, you know, all they're doing like if you go around and you flash your money like that, you are going to attract some of the worst human beings you could possibly make, meet both male and female, all right? What you wanna be doing is be that person that's fucking crushing it and people don't even know it. You know, Barry Sanders, greatest running back of all time as far as like elusiveness and... Um, and whatever, right? And only played 10 years and still almost had the most yards of anybody other than Emmett Smith, I believe. That fucking dude was like fucking Jimi Hendrix playing football. It's like just, just doing shit you'd never seen before. And he scores a touchdown and what would he do? He would just hand the ball to the referee. Okay, look at how he conducted himself after he scored a touchdown and apply that to money. And then look at these other people that score touchdowns and rip open their jersey like they're fucking Superman or fucking spin around and do a backflip and all of that fucking shit. That's that guy flashing his fucking money. I'm not trashing Cam Newton, by the way. I'm just, it's the first thing I thought of. Um, I'm just saying, like, like, don't, I mean, you can be in your 20s and, and, and already be drowning in fucking credit card debt and you haven't even gotten married yet. You haven't even had kids yet and all of this shit and you're gonna spend your whole fucking life chasing it. Or you could, it's critical as a young person financially to start marching in the direction of financial freedom. Or, well, nobody's 100% free because of the way these fucking banker cunts have everything set up that if, God forbid, you stop. You know, I told you, I watched that thing about that guy living off the grid and you would think like, holy shit, he has to grow his own food. He has to do all of this stuff. He must be just exhausted every day. He has, he has more fucking free time, you know? Like the, this whole thing that they built is just designed for you. Um, I don't know. Something's going on though right now. I, I feel like we're at the end of capitalism where for the longest time, we've kind of looked the other way at the level of greed at the top. And these guys where they just cannot make enough money and they've run out of ways to do it. And now their only way to keep making more and more each quarter at this point is they have to entirely eliminate the fucking middle class 
And we all, and it's, it's going to turn into like these places I would go to, like when I went to India, where it was like, you either had money or you didn't, it's going to become something like that. Um, but the brilliance is if you talk about having a middle class now, I, I believe that they'll probably brand that as socialism or communism, um, which why I feel like the best news I saw this week was UPS, the union of the UPS drivers got the drivers a fucking raise because I used to be in warehousing and those guys, like they work them like dogs. So anyway, I know I just went on a whole fucking tangent. I didn't even answer your fucking question now that I'm thinking about it. But like, I would say, you know, if you need to take a little bit of time off, I wouldn't take much more than a month off. I would try to get back into it um, as long as if that's is what it, as long as that that is what you want to do. Um, but I don't think going to the gym is a bad idea. Um, you know, you might want to use this time rather than you know travel, hit the gym, do all this shit. You might want to just have some quiet time. And go sit in a park and kind of think about things and maybe try, you know, sometimes when you get quiet, you kind of figure some shit out. I'm kind of talking to myself instead of you, but um, that's one way to do it. But uh, sorry you got laid off. I hope that works out. But like, I do like <clears throat> the fact <clears throat> that you actually um, can be laid off and you have some sort of system set up where people are going to be able to help you out. And it seems like you're not too concerned about money, which means you're probably smart with your money. So keep doing that. Um, and if you've been done with your money, uh, start being smart with it. Dig yourself out. You don't need to get an ice bath. All right. <clears throat> All right. Was I wrong? You don't even need to buy Christmas presents. Just sit down with the woman in your life. Oh, God. And have a logical conversation. Be like, why are we giving into this dumb shit? It's Jesus's birthday. Can't we just sing happy birthday to Jesus and our, our, our Christmas present be no added credit card debt? We have food, we have clothes, we have shelter. We don't need anything else, all right? <clears throat> okay, was I wrong? Dear Billy Redface, I am a longtime listener and a big fan of your podcasts and comedy specials. Thank you. I would like your opinion on an incident that I had last week. Last week, I had a confrontation at a gas station. It's a dangerous place. Guy sprays you with gas, gas and flicks his fucking lighter at you, and that's it. I drive a Ford Expedition and was waiting in line. All the pumps were in use. Dude, there's a lot of fucking fights at gas station pumps. There's a lot. I'm already thinking like the person that like fucking starts pumping the gas and then walks into the convenience store and takes a fucking, you know, half hour to come back out or the person that doesn't pull all the way up and then you can't drive around them. A lot of fucking fights there. All right, all the pumps were in use. One pump opened up and this older lady pulled in front of me and took the pump. She got out of the car and stared at me as she walked to the pump. Ooh, she had a walking boot on. Needless to say, I was pissed. A minute later, the pump next to her opened up. I pulled my big ass Ford Expedition into this pump and made sure that I was parked a few inches from her driver door so that she couldn't get back in. Oh, Oh my God. Oh, do I fucking love that. I mean, that's, that is fantastic. Dare I say that, that just made my morning, afternoon, I'm a little late today. Um, I started pumping the gas and eventually she walked over to me and said, I can't get in my vehicle. 
I replied with, okay, I was waiting for that pump. She said, well, I thought you were waiting for someone inside. You are a real gentleman, thank you. Was she saying that sarcastically? I finished pumping my pumping gas and pulled away from the pump. And as I pulled away, she took a picture of my license plate. Well, what is she gonna do? You can't get a ticket for being an asshole. Nothing has happened in my vehicle, so I don't think she did anything with that picture. She's just trying to scare you. Given the fact that she was an older lady in a walking boot, do you think I overreacted? I would like to hear your opinion on this incident on your podcast. Thanks and go fuck yourself. Well, first, the fact that you don't feel 100% in the right and you actually kind of felt bad when you left. Um, you know what? I got to be honest with you. I wasn't there. I would have to see when she was staring at you. I'd have to see what that look was. Was she really staring at you? Was she just sort of squinting? Was she nervous that you were gonna, you know, what if your foot went off the brake and onto the gas and she's old and has a, a busted foot? I mean, I don't know, the way you painted the picture, I mean, I was all aboard on that. Um, look, you didn't hurt her. You just, you know, inconvenienced her the way she inconvenienced you. I thought you did it in a brilliant way. Uh, I'm gonna give a thumbs up on that, you know? I mean, personally, I don't really fuck with old people. Uh, but uh, I am not going to lie to you. I would be calling her an old fucking cunt under my breath. But I wouldn't say that to her. So whatever. I think you did what you did was brilliant. God bless you. It's fucking hilarious. Uh, incoherent idioms. Uh, dear Silly Billy Sourpuss. We've heard... Uh, we've all heard the term card shark, generally denoting someone who is good at cards. Well, apparently, the original saying is card sharp, but it's been said incorrectly for so long and by so many people that the incorrect phrasing stuck and is now accepted as correct. Yeah, because if someone in business is a shark, you know, Depending on if you're hiring them, you'd like it. But if you're going up against them, you don't like it. Card Sharp, S-H-A-R-P. Uh, dude, there's literally a game show, Card Sharks, when I was growing up. Uh, I learned the original phrasing while listening to the podcast of your fellow ginger comedian and mass native Conan O'Brien, one of my favorite people ever, who made a point to stress the P when he said Card Sharp. He's such a nerd, I bet he says, toe your mark instead of on your mark. Is he a nerd or does he just make you feel a certain way because he's saying things correctly? Um, well, I learned something. He's a card shark. It's card shark. It's actually, card well, at this point, now I feel if you say card shark, you're actually kind of a douche because you're using it as a way I guess to correct people, but who doesn't love correcting people? Miss one, you know, there's a way to do it. Like this is a rule I have. Like I, I, like if someone's a stranger, I'm never going to correct if they mispronounce the word, because that's like you're setting yourself up for a fight. Excuse me, it's actually card sharp. I mean, if you get punched in the face at that point, you go, well, you know, what did I think was going to happen? Um, anyway, 
this podcast is late, so I'm going to wrap it up here. Thank you, guys. Everybody who came out in Halifax, thank you, Springfield, for the hospitality. They had a little fucking record player with, with Led Zeppelin 1 on it. Good times, bad times I was listening to. I was drinking that delicious. Oh, I didn't even finish it. So it's like a three-tiered thing. It looks like a lighthouse, right? You put the water in the bottom, and then you put the coffee already ground up in the middle, and then you heat it up, and then... I didn't understand this at first because I was trying to pour it out. I'm like, where the fuck does it go? You wait till the water bubbles up. It boils. You put it on like, uh, I just put it on top of the stove. It heats up. It goes through the coffee and then there's a spout and then it gradually fills up the container up top and it is fantastic. All right, that's it. Go fuck yourselves and I'll check in on you on Thursday.